Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome to Around the Corner, the Covering the Corner Cleveland Guardians prospect podcast. I am Matt Schlichting, joined as always by Brian Hemminger. Brian, is there any interesting news today? It's a day for celebration, a rare day for celebration in Cleveland baseball. I, I just remember... I was in the office this morning, and then all of a sudden, my phone just starts blowing up. <laughs> and I'm like, they signed Jose. I just knew immediately. They signed Jose. <laughs> and I just start checking Twitter, and just everything's like, oh, they signed Jose. And I'm just like, yes! And then I get even better, just as almost as good news for me, Stephen Kwan's going to be the opening day right fielder for Cleveland on uh, Thursday. Like, I'd been hearing all these things, like, they're going to just keep dumping out Bradley Zimmer until either he works or you give up on him in two months like they did with Jake Bowers last year. And Stephen Kwan's just going to sit on the bench. And I'm just like, no, please, God. This guy didn't strike out in spring training in 36 plate appearances. Put him to work. Yeah, and we are often encouraged to not simply box score scout, and yet this man does nothing but hit the baseball. <laughs> okay, you're not supposed to box score scout in spring training, but there are a couple things that you do pay attention to in spring training. One, striking out and walking. Those carry over to the regular season, and Stephen Guan did not strike out during spring training. It's because he doesn't. Yeah. It's he, not he, his game. He, he rarely strikes out. Yeah, he, he, he was one of the toughest. He simply does not believe in striking out, and we need to let him practice that religion, yeah, frankly. I'm, I'm totally on board with that. <laughs> and then the other thing is typically, uh, you know, velocity and command with pitching. Sure. So, you know, you see a pitcher that's throwing two or three miles an hour faster, of course that's going to carry over to the regular season as well. Um, so, but... Hitting-wise, that's exactly. And I think Bradley Zimmer was striking out at like 60% of his plate appearances in spring training. I'm like, please start Stephen Kwan. And and he's in the opening day lineup. So I'm ecstatic right now. I'm absolutely ecstatic. As am I. I just want to emphatically state it. Yeah, it's it's a good day. And then uh, minor league baseball started yesterday. We're just at the AAA right now. I think uh, the rest of the AAA starts around Friday or the other full season leagues are starting. And we, we could report on the one game. That's been it it actually so went, it was going very well. If you read my uh, recap on uh, covering the corner this morning, I did. they were, yeah, they were up three, nothing. Jose Fermin hit a two run bomb. Uh, if you watched it, it was like an inside pitch and he just kind of sunk his bat down and hit it right down the line. Uh, and then I uh, forget the guy's name. I think his name's Fry. He's like a catcher slash first baseman. He was our player to be named later when we traded J.C. Mejia in the offseason uh, with uh, the Brewers. Not a bad uh, catcher, kind of a guy that'll fill fill some space at the top or upper levels of uh, our minor league system and could, you know, get called up if we have an injury or something. So, but he followed up uh, Fermin with back to back home runs. There, they went up three nothing. Starting pitching was good. Kirk McCarty, three scoreless innings. Thomas Ponticelli came in, three more scoreless innings. And uh, and the bullpen gave up seven runs in the eighth inning. So we're going to yeah. just kind of forget that that part happened. Everything Baseball's else about that bad. game was great. Everything else about that game was amazing. The worst part was it all happened with two outs in the eighth inning. And then they didn't have a ninth inning. So literally, it was just, well, at least a bottom of the ninth, since they didn't need one since it was at Lehigh Valley. But. Yeah, they were that close to winning. 
So as we get some more minor league games going here, we'll revert back to the usual format where we go through the top 10, talk about some of the top performers, and also uh, take a peek at certain players we've selected for the cupboard for further analysis. Um, But for this week, I know we wanted to talk about a little bit some of the guys that didn't make the top 20 but could still be interesting. And then what else did you want to take a look at today? Um, I would like to look at our, I would say, our opening rotations at each level to kind of discuss, um, you know, who's pitching where. They they did kind of announce that it might get shuffled around a little bit because Columbus has an expanded roster right now with uh, several players that were like in spring training still. Like, like they had their opening day yesterday on the same day that there was a split squad, squad game at spring training. So... You know, Will Benson and a whole bunch of other people that are going to be at AAA were out playing in like Colorado or something. Sure. Speaking speaking of Benson, he had an inside the park home run and a triple yesterday in spring training. That was cool. I don't know if you saw that or not. I wonder if anyone's ever hit for the cycle with an inside the park home run. I don't know. I I, I didn't see if he hit anything else after that. I mean, I'm assuming they took him out uh, because like all the starters were like out of that game in like the fifth inning. But uh, I, I didn't follow up. I, I think I would have. That people would have been out talking even more if he'd have hit for the cycle, though. I would assume true, but but uh, but yeah, let's let's. What do you want to start with? Uh, the the best of the rest stuff first. Yeah, I think it'd be fun to start with those guys, and then we can go through uh, the rotation at each level. Let's okay, kick it off. Sounds good. And I know you posted the first part of it yeah. on the website. Yeah, right? <laughs> part of the. I guess it's a good problem to have that Cleveland has the deepest minor league system in all of baseball um, is when we post our top 20 prospect countdown, there's literally another like 40 guys that we should be talking about that are good. Okay. It's, it's that deep. Um, That's, that's legitimately how talented the the system is. And it's funny because we've been saying it every year and then finally we get the now we're starting to get the recognition, yeah. So uh, what I did was I I had to split it up. Like I couldn't just say, "Hey, you know, here's here's some guys that just missed the list." It's here's the the next like fifteen to twenty pitchers that just missed the list, <laughs> and, and 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 it's not even all of them. Like I kind of limited it, especially in the bullpen, to guys that were closer to the MLB level because it's a little tricky trying to guess somebody's going to be an elite bullpen arm if they're in like rookie ball. So I'm kind of limiting it to if they've at least been at full season, but yeah, so let's talk about, let's start with the pitchers. Um, And actually uh, one of them made, made the MLB team. So he wasn't in our top 20 rankings, but Connor Pilkington, 24 year old lefty is in the bullpen right now for the guardians Uh, made him out of spring training, had a really strong spring. Uh, He was acquired. If he doesn't sound familiar, it's because he's only been in the Cleveland system for a couple months of playtime. Uh, he was acquired in the, the Cesar Hernandez trade last year with the White Sox. So came over and immediately just annihilated opposing hitters. Uh, had a 233 ERA at double A, uh, struck out 49 in 38 innings with Akron and helped uh, the team win uh, the double A championship. So. Really, really interested to see what he does with Cleveland. You can probably open up if uh, my uh, article if you want to get any, just uh, so you can see what we're, we'll be talking about. Oh, for sure. As we I go through. Here. I'm taking a look at Pilkington's numbers as he progresses through the minors over time. And he's always struck guys out. Uh, control may or may not be an issue, but if he's going to be a bullpen guy... And I'm then, not certain he's going to stay a bullpen guy. It's right. just more that they have bullpen is a, you know, they don't have a lot of depth right now in Cleveland's bullpen uh, with uh, Karen check hurt. And then they let a few people pieces go in the off season. So he could just be filling a void right now because he's historically been a starter his entire career. Yeah, and he and could I, go right back to starting if a spot opens up. My understanding is that he profiles out to likely end up being a starter and at the very least deserves a look as one. So it'll be fun to see him get that chance in the minors this season, but also even cooler to get a chance to see his stuff at the major league level and see how it plays. And then uh, next up uh, is a pitcher that is currently in Columbus as well. 
uh, Adam Scott. Uh, he was a senior uh, that when he was drafted. So, you know, he was one of the older players in his draft class. But Cleveland believed in him, and, and he has sported pretty impressive strikeout numbers throughout his entire career. Um, and last year, uh, he was very good at double-A. Um, I think he struck out about 30% of the batters he faced so and, and maintained a pretty low walk rate. So uh, he's a guy that will provide some pitching depth for Cleveland. Now, there's he's not on the 40-man roster, so... He is probably, you know, we, we might have to go down the, the line a little bit before we get to him, but he is still a guy that um, has put up pretty good numbers and is a lefty and I think uh, could get an opportunity if, you know, the, the roof falls off and, and we need some help in the, the starting pitching depth. And he has been a solid arm throughout his minor league journey as well. I think maybe the most encouraging look that we got at him would have been at the double a level 75 innings that's when he had his lowest walk rate and that's good when if your walk rate drops as you're getting up moving up that's that's exciting honestly so it's it's been a little bouncy since then but i just hope sometimes i I see a guy like this who's a little bit older and solid and i i worry that they're going to get put code it, it could happen. Hey, hey Plitko has a, a minor league career and major league career, so he, I don't well, know. It's certainly not a bad thing to have happen yeah, to yeah. a person. I'm sure he's a very happy man, but yep. <laughs> I hope for more out of our pitchers. That's all. Yeah, understandable. <laughs> now, I mean, not everybody in our system is going to be, you know, a Bieber. So, but I mean, if, if they could make it to the major leagues, that's that's pretty cool. And I think all these guys have the chance to make it to the major leagues that I'm listing here. So. Uh, next up, Carlos Vargas. Uh, you might have forgotten about him a little bit, but he's been on the 40-man roster for, I think, two years now. And we um, haven't gotten to talk about him in like three, really. Yeah, because they didn't have a minor league season in 2020. And then last year, he had uh, Tommy John surgery. So he's still recovering from that. But uh, when he was healthy, um, he was throwing 100 miles an hour with a wicked uh, off-speed pitch. And they clearly still believe in him if they've kept him on the 40 man, even through the roster crunch, he is uh, at some point going to be returning. I I don't think he's ever pitched full season ball, (laughs) but he's when he does come back, he's probably going to be at double or triple a because I, I've heard really good things about, uh, about his stuff. So I don't know if uh, he's going to stay a starter. I mean, when you've had, uh, you know, Tommy John, it can get a little tricky, but um, this guy could be a sneaky, you know, weapon out of the bullpen as well. You know, somebody with two really strong pitches, you know, 100 mile an hour heater and uh, a low 90 slider. I mean, that that can uh, get, some, get some attention and you can never have enough guys throwing 100 miles an hour out of your bullpen. I think it's going to be an interesting year because Vargas is a little more extreme than most, but it's, it feels like, again, there are a lot of guys where there's a certain amount of hype, but we haven't gotten to see too much of them. So I'm, I'm hopeful uh, he gets a chance to shine this year and takes off. And then uh, next up, Tanner Burns. Uh, he was a competitive balance pick in 2020, I think number 36 overall. And, made his debut with Cleveland last year at high a Lake County, spent the entire season there, 18 starts, had a 357 ERA, 227 batting average against, had a good strikeout rate, uh, 91 batters whiffed in uh, 75 innings of work. So it just, the issue was he got overshadowed by a few pitchers. Like Logan Allen was on that team. The one true Logan Allen was on that team and he got promoted to double a and then Xavion Curry started at Lynchburg, went up to Lake County, and he was nasty, and he also got promoted to double-A. So there were two other pitchers that were getting a little bit more attention as college arms. And uh, but, but Tanner Burns was, you know, there was nothing that bad about how he performed. He was, he was a dependable innings eater and wasn't super hittable. So I think uh, he's a guy that could make a, a leap this year as well. Uh, I think Tanner Burns is going to be incredible. 
I don't know if you caught uh, the conversation he had with David, and I'm probably going to pronounce his last name wrong, but Lorilla at Fangraphs. I have not. I'm going to have to check it out. One of my favorite quotes from it, he says, we have all this information. After a start, I'll have 10 pages of paper with my spin rate and all that stuff. Ooh, so he's into the analytics. I like it. Yes. Uh, And then another thing he points out is uh, he's asked, Cleveland has a great reputation. Did you know about it before the team drafted you? He says he didn't. And then Tim Hudson, who was the pitching coach at Auburn for him, like reached out and was like, yeah, you just got drafted into like the best farm system for pitching development. And then he says, it's crazy what they do here. It goes on to say like the data, the information and everything they get, the level of care and attention they get. Very cool. But in reading the article, you pick up like Burns is absolutely in on the development and excited to be learning here. So someone with his talent and then that connection with the coaching staff and everything. Good things. Good things. All right. Well, that gets me excited. Um, Then we have uh, somebody that this is a typical situation of uh, what have you done for me lately? Because this guy was like, fringe top 10 prospect last year, but then after missing most of the season with an injury, all of a sudden completely unranked and everyone forgot about him. Uh, Joey Cantillo was one of the returns in the Clevenger trade. Um, you know, obviously we got some really good stuff in that with Hedges and Arias and uh, Quantrill, but Cantillo was one of the top minor league arms uh, that we got in that trade. And came in with a really good reputation, but then he missed almost through early August with an abdominal injury in, uh, for, for last year. I mean, people, that makes it hard to do anything. Yeah, exactly. And when, yeah. And when he finally did come back, he only was able to pitch 13 innings. He was hit a little bit, but he did post a a strikeout rate of 13.5 per nine, nine innings, which is, you know, that's basically every other batter almost. The way I kind of look at a guy coming back for limited time at the end of the year is sweet. They were told they might only see a few innings and they still said, hell yeah, get me out there. Yeah. So this year, hopefully, you know, he, he looks to be healthy and uh, I I'm assuming he's going to restart the year at double a, but um, he's, he's definitely a guy that could immediately be back, in uh, our top 20 if he pitches up to expectations and he's still just 22 years old. So don't forget about that. I had forgotten that he was still relatively young Mm -hmm. because he was a a high school arm out of uh, their pen. So, and then uh, next up another guy that lost some luster last year after he had some struggles, um, Josh Wolf. He was one of the returns in the Lindor trade. If you remember, Um, you know, obviously we got, uh, Jimenez and Rosario at the top of that, but we also got back-to-back second-round picks from the Mets, and Wolf was their second-round pick in 2019, and came in with uh, really high expectations, and he he really had a very up-and-down year. I mean, it seemed like he would have one start where he'd go five scoreless innings, and then he'd have one where he went two innings and gave up six runs. Uh, finished the year with a 5.35 ERA. Um, you know, didn't really pitch up to expectations, and people were like, you know, what's wrong with this guy? Turns out he basically spent the entire season battling an injury, not like you know a tendon or something that that's super scary, but it was like a strain in his shoulder, and he just tried to pitch through it the whole season. So as far as I've heard, he's healthy this year, and people are saying, hey, you know. Don't forget about this guy. He's still really good, and I believe him. So, I mean, there's a reason that we traded for him. Um, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he comes out strong this year. Exciting. And he's another one that I'm not quite as familiar with, but that is not necessarily true of the next man on the list. Yeah, Ethan Hankins. He was, a, I think, top five prospect in Cleveland's system just a, two years ago. And like Vargas, he hasn't pitched since 2019, really. Like, yeah, yeah, in yeah, in two, 2019, he was terrific. I mean, he had a 140 ERA at Low A Mahoning Valley, earned a promotion to full season, which was Lake County at the time. 
that was our lowest full season. Now it's uh, Lynchburg. They kind of sw- swapped, if you remember. Um, but then uh, 2020 happened. You didn't have a minor league season. And then as he's getting ready for the 2021 season last year, Tommy John surgery. So again, another Tommy John victim. Um, so hasn't had a chance to pitch for two full seasons. He's still not going to be able to pitch until probably later this summer. Uh, I think, yeah, he had, he had the surgery in May, so it hasn't even been a full year yet since he's had his surgery. And typically it takes a little bit more than a year before you uh, appear in a game after Tommy John, if you're a pitcher. So, uh, I would expect to see him back. Hopefully if everything is on track by, you know, July or August, and even after he's back, it might take a minute, a, a while because as we, uh, you know, Tommy John recovery can be a total crapshoot at times. Speaking of <laughs> Lenny Torres, uh, he was drafted in that same draft class as a nasty high school arm with Hankins. Um, people were ranting and raving about how good he looked in 2018, the year we drafted him. They said he was the most Im- like I saw multiple reports that he was the most impressive pitcher at the Arizona Complex League that that There's summer. some funny numbers from that season for him. He had a 400 average on balls in play against him. He still had a 1.76 ERA. 13 strikeouts per nine. He, he looked great and then and then last year he we had the 2020 season that was lost and 2019 he missed because of Tommy John. So last year he actually returned and pitched the full season. So that's the good news. His arm is healthy. Uh, he also had uh, uh, his velocity was returned to normal, like mid to upper 90s, which is great. So those are the two most important things that he pitched the whole season and that his velocity was back. Because uh, if you remember, you know, you know, another hyped high school prospect that we drafted, Brady Aiken. When he returned, he did pitch a full season, but his velocity was way down. And then when he came back again, he was pitching in like the 80s. So Lenny, when Lenny came back last year, his stuff was still just as electric. It's just he had lost command. And that usually is the last thing that comes back after Tommy John surgery, from what I've read, is that that feel for location. Yep. So Feel is the word I was... Yep. Yeah. I mean, so, especially... I'm I'm absolutely, even though he struggled last year and he did, uh, he had a six, uh, two, nine ERA hit, but pitched the full season at, uh, low a Lynchburg. Um, I'm expecting that they'll, they might repeat him there or, you know, depending how they feel, they could promote him. Um, but, uh, Torres is healthy. And if those command, if that ability to command the ball comes back, I mean, he could be absolutely lights out. He still has the arm of an elite pitcher. So I'm, I'm absolutely not forgetting about this guy. It's fun getting to talk about him and Hankins together a little bit. Because I feel like Torres may be a good preview for something that we could very well likely see from Hankins this year, which is, yeah, he doesn't look great. But man, if you pitch the whole season with full velocity, your first year back from Tommy John, like you said, that's great. So the rest that we have to do is mental and or getting a feel for the zone again. Mm -hmm. And then uh, my last two starting pitchers, we haven't even had a chance to see them yet. Uh, But Doug Nikhazy and Tommy Mace, they were our uh, second round and second round like supplemental picks in uh, last year's draft both college pitchers. If you remember last year's draft, it was like, uh, I think we had 20 or 21 selections. And I think 19 of them were college pitchers, <laughs> but these were two of our top, uh, drafted college pitchers and they should both be in, uh, I would assume Lake County's rotation. We can double check when, uh, we start looking at the rosters. Um, it should be a really, really interesting to see how these guys, uh, perform. They did neither of them, pitched after they were drafted. We did have a couple uh, college pitchers that we selected that looked impressive, but I think they were more out of the bullpen, which I did not include. Uh, I will mention him since he's not in my article, but uh, Davenport looked really good. Uh, He was a pitcher out of like Hawaii or something. He was like our fifth or sixth round guy, but he did pitch and he looked good. So I will at least give him a little love if I didn't in the article. Now, moving on to relievers, I feel like... (laughs) 
I cursed this guy. Uh, Aaron Pinto has been terrific at every level for Cleveland throughout uh, his entire minor league career since we drafted him in 2018. And then in his debut last night, remember that seven-run bullpen (laughs) blow-up? He comes in with two outs and two on and gives up five straight hits. Before he got his his out, so was not a good performance. Well, that being said, though, I think he has a 186 ERA coming into this season over his entire minor league career. So, and has a uh, had some pretty good uh, strikeout numbers. So, I'm rooting for him because I I believe in his ability based on the numbers that I've seen, and it's hard not to root for a guy who was a late round pick. And this guy, uh, next up, it wasn't quite as late round of a pick, but uh, Nick Mikulajek, uh 11th round pick in 2019, he kind of zoomed through the the system and he was uh, a late bullpen option for Akron last year. And he was excellent. He uh, what, what he really does well is he has high strikeout rate while also maintaining a lower uh, walk rate, which, you know. Great for starters, really good for bullpen too. You never want a guy to come in and just start walking people. So, but he is a uh, definitely kind of has that late inning reliever look to him. He's got that long hair, and he'll just come in and just kind of intimidate people. So, I, I want more pitchers to mean mug guys. The game needs more of that back. Yeah, yeah. Hitters that spit and stare at the pitcher, like <laughs> nasty baseball should come back. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say uh, next up, we have a, a couple more bullpen guys before we can move on to some uh, position players. But uh, I included uh, Nathan Ocker. He kind of spent most of his season at high A. I think he was your, what did we call that last year, where we were following somebody that wasn't an elite prospect? It used to be the Indians in the cupboard, but it was the... I'm the corner cupboard, right? Oh, the corner cupboard. Yeah, okay. Okay. And... Uh, I think he was your guy for a little bit last year, right? Nathan Auger? Or was or it was was it somebody else? I had Clark Scolamiero well, for I, quite a while. Well, that was your position player. I don't was, think I had Auger. Okay, it might have been Eric Mock then. Yes, Mock okay. I had. Now okay. that you say so it, I, I just yes. had Ock and Okay. Uh, but Ock, yeah, Nathan, Nathan Auger was good. Uh had a, a strong season at uh high A and then Finished it up with a cup of coffee with uh, two innings at AAA that actually helped to lower his season ERA below three because uh, they were scoreless innings. So uh, just an interesting arm. Uh, this guy was even later pick. The, he was so late, the round doesn't exist anymore. The 29th round, uh, they, they, they dropped the, the draft down to 20 rounds. So uh, pretty cool um, if he actually makes it. But um, he's also posted really good strikeout rates, uh, 91 batters and 76 innings last year. So, um, and then, uh, Nick Enright is another guy, 20th round pick in 2019. Um, he had an elite strikeout to walk ratio last year. Now this isn't like strikeouts per nine. This is strikeouts per walk. 10.67. That'll play. Yeah. That's that Bieber absolutely plays. Yeah. That is Bieber territory. <laughs> But yeah, he was he was tremendous at high A with uh, Lake County and then struggled a little bit at double A. But, uh, you know, that can be that's to be expected. It's going to be a, a tougher challenge. You're facing better hitters. Uh, I liked what I saw out of him last year, and I think uh, he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on. And then the last guy I had was Jerson Ramirez. So another Ramirez. He said that slow and steady climb. I think we signed him in 2018. Uh, last year, he uh, was nasty in Lynchburg. Uh, he had a whip of 0. 0.73, uh, 123 ERA. And then he got called up to high A where he did maintain his strikeout and walk rates, but uh, did get hit around a little bit more, but he is definitely, and he's the youngest arm out of all of these guys mentioned. All these other ones I've mentioned were college pitchers uh, and Jerson was uh, an international guy. So uh, with some pretty filthy stuff. So definitely keep an eye on Jerson Ramirez this year. I think, um, he could start the year at high A or double A. Yeah, it'll be fun to see what he can do out of that bunch too. And I actually have two guys to keep an eye on based Ooh, I... purely on a hunch. Okay, let's hear it. 
Jack Leftwich. Okay, Franco I've heard Alleman. I've heard about Leftwich. So these were teammates of Tommy Mace at the University of Florida. And as you know, when the Cleveland Guardians draft multiple guys from the same college at the same time, they're usually on to something. And it is not as if the Gators are unknown for their ability to develop college pitchers. So I would keep an eye on Leftwich, and it's either Ailman or Alleman, depending on how he pronounces it. Okay. I've actually heard that Leftwich um, is expected to be a starter. I was, I was told that. The fact that they went and got two more guys from the same team suggests to me that they agree with the current philosophy of pitching development at the University of Florida, and that they think they can add on to what those guys started. So keep an eye on it. I could be wrong, but if you've listened to the podcast, then, well, you know. (laughs) Now, uh, let's go on to uh, position players. Now, I'm not quite as... I'm still working on my position player article, so I there I might miss a couple guys. So fair warning. Um when I do the the position player article, I always, you know, start with catcher and then move on. Catcher has been interesting because last year, you know, we entered the season with Bo Naylor as a top catching prospect, and then I had Lavastita and Yaner Diaz as our catchers to keep an eye on. Lavastita is now the backup catcher in made the team out of spring training and Gaynor Diaz was traded. So um, we have one. He made it up to full season ball last year. Uh, his name's uh, Mikhail Ramirez, 22 years old. If you look at his stats each season, it is shockingly similar uh, per year. He is typically batting 300 or better with an on-base percentage near 400 every year at every level he's played. Uh, or at least per year. That is solid. Yeah. Uh, he did struggle a little bit after getting promoted up to Lynchburg last year, but uh, but he had a 172 WRC plus last season. Or no, no, actually that I was wrong. That's that's the next catcher. <laughs> but but he was he was very good. He was very good. Um, 22 years old, signed out of Venezuela. Um, and last year, this is something we always love. Walked 25 times, struck out 15. Yes. He is the chosen one. <laughs> he might be. I, uh, yeah, I, you know I have a thing for catchers, so. Yep, yep. So keep, keep an eye on Mikhail Ramirez. How do you spell Mikhail? M-I-C, uh, it might be Michael. It's M-I-C-A-E-L. It's basically Michael without the H. Because I did try to Google him and some photographer is named Mikhail spelled another way. So okay. I wanted to double check. Okay. And then the other one, this one is interesting as well. Richard Paz. Um, he's 20 years old and you are not going to believe this, but he was another international player in that 2017 draft class. How? George Valera, Brian Rocchio, Jose Tena, John Kenzie Noel, um, Aaron Bracco, all of them. Um, Someone's going to have to potentially write apparently, a book about whatever happened yeah. that year. <laughs> apparently, I'm this serious. guy was one of the youngest <laughs> players in that class. Probably was like not even sixteen or had just turned sixteen when he signed, because he's still twenty. And uh, he was a converted infielder, just like uh, Lavastida. Uh, last year, in he spent his entire season as a like either young 20 year old or 19 year old um, in the Arizona rookie league. And he slashed 360, 445, 640 with six home runs at a 172 WRC plus. So he can I, hit, he can hit. Uh, we, we suspected it last year, but hearing that yet another guy changed his natural position to catcher. Cleveland is on to something, and we'll know for sure when other teams start taking prospects and changing them to catcher. This is interesting. Yeah, they're, they're definitely on to something. <laughs> um, and then in terms of infielders to keep an eye on, um, we'll start with uh, Jose Fermin. We talked about him earlier this uh, episode. He was... Believe it or not, our top international signing out of the Dominican Republic two years before the famous 
2017 draft class. I thought you were going to say two years in a row. No. So he's still young. Crazy, crazy as that sounds. Um, he did not have quite that same level. So yeah, he's 23. Um, uh, he didn't have quite the level of success I was hoping he would have last year. I was hoping like last year would kind of be a big breakout for him because he was very good in 2019. Uh, and last year he did spend a little bit of time at AAA, but mostly was at double A. But he has always maintained a low strikeout rate, a decent walk rate, gets on base, hits for decent above average. So all things you like. Yeah. So he was he was basically an average hitter at double A off to a good start in uh, 2022 with a home run and a multi hit game in his first game. I don't know how he's doing today, but uh, looks like Columbus is currently losing three one. But uh, in terms of other infielders to keep an eye on that were not currently ranked on our lists, Gabriel Rodriguez. Don't forget about this guy. The year after 2017, uh, that vaunted class, he was our top international uh, signing in 2018. Um, And while he wasn't terrific last year, um, he he basically spent the full season at uh, Lynchburg. Um, he still has a a lot of room for, for development and and he did finish the year strong from what I remember, uh, in, uh, in 2021. So Gabriel Rodriguez, do not forget about this guy. Uh, really good hitter potential for a lot of power despite being, you know, shortstop. So very interested in uh, seeing how he uh, develops along. And then another guy from that same class as Rodriguez, is Junior San Quentin. Um, I don't know if you remember a, a whole lot about him, but he I was... remember the 80 grade name, of course. I also felt positive vibes when you said his name. And so if I recall, he has been pretty good. Yeah. Last year, um, he spent, uh, looks like he spent the year in Arizona, had a 95 WRC plus, nothing particularly great. He, he still is definitely a guy worth keeping an eye on. Uh, really loud tools. So, like, uh, Fangraphs basically says he's just all potential at this point with, uh, like, game power. They say he's at 25 right now. Could be 50. So okay. Hit 25, could be 50. So, that's that's the good news. So that definitely pretty solid. Okay. And then, uh, in terms of other position players to keep an eye on, Carson Tucker is definitely one. Um, he was our first round pick in 2020. Um, basically, he barely played last year. I think he had a, an injury. So, you know, you, you, you really can't learn too much from that small of a sample size. But with a when you have a first round draft pick, you, you're going to have some high expectations for him. So I think this year is going to be uh, we're going to learn a lot more about Carson Tucker and they might start him depending on how they think his development has gone along when he's not been playing, uh, he could start the year at Lynchburg. Frustrating that we have a first round pick like this, who is an exciting player and we just haven't gotten to see him yet. So like the super exciting season for a lot of reasons. And he's, did you, we will edit this out if you did not mention it, certainly, but I pulled up our article from when he was drafted and he is Cole Tucker's brother. Yes. Younger brother. Mm hmm. And then uh, Milan Tolentino, another um, guy that we drafted in 2020. He was our fourth round pick that year. 70 Um, grade name. Yep. Another great name. He uh, made his debut last year and played well in the complex league. I think he had a 121 WRC plus um, slashed a 301, 362, 496, slugged six home runs in Arizona. And actually earned a late season promotion uh, to Lynchburg. Now, uh, all those numbers went way down in Lynchburg. But just the fact that, you know, a, an amateur, you know, he was a high school player that we drafted in 2020, earned a promotion to full season ball before the end of the 2021 season. I think that speaks volumes. So definitely a guy worth keeping an eye on. And then this guy, remember how we drafted like 19 pitchers out of our 21 picks? Um we did draft a position player uh, in 
uh, our th- uh, Cleveland had a third round pick. His name's Jake Fox. So keep an eye on him because this guy looks legit. We drafted him and he actually played in Arizona after we drafted him. One of the few players that did play. And when he played, he played well. He had 13 games in Arizona. Listen to these numbers. Okay. 405 batting average, 465 on base, 429 slugging, 147 WRC plus. So stole seven bases in 13 games. So I'm legitimately excited about what this guy can do. Um, And he is probably going to start the year at full season ball after what he did in Arizona in such a small sample size. Are there suspicions that he could keep up that stolen base pace for a full season? Because if so... Honestly, no. (laughs) I mean... Fangraphs doesn't have his speed listed as like elite. He's more a guy that's a good slap hitter that they, they feel like um, and has the potential to add a little bit more power. But quickness, but, Brian. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, he's a second base slash shortstop that uh, that hits well, gets on base. So Never heard of one. Not in yep. this system. Yep, yep. <laughs> Unbelievable. So. <laughs> Of course, that's the one guy we go out and get who's not a pitcher, basically. And then in terms of outfielders, um, we've still got Oscar Gonzalez. You can't forget about him. Uh, You know, he was, I think, led the Cleveland minor league system in hits and home runs last season. Loud tools, you know, never walks. (laughs) It just depends, I guess, on whether or not you believe he can keep that contact up as he continues to climb. Well, what was impressive was... Uh, last when, um, in 2019, he started that year at high a and was incredible. And then he got promoted to double a and struggled last year. I think he started the year at double a was disgusting, went up to triple a and was just as good. So didn't have that fall off. So he's definitely going to be a guy, um, that is going to have an opportunity in Cleveland's outfield this year. If we you know, have some injuries or uh, make trades or something, there's going to be the chance that we can call up Oscar Gonzalez this year. So uh, I'm, I'm very excited about that. And he's still just 24 years old. So, you know, that's the same age as a lot of uh, our college pitchers that are making waves in the system. So I just find it kind of fascinating that it's guys, it ends up being guys like Stephen Kwan and Oscar Gonzalez in the outfield where we're like, this, yes, this is the guy. And that's no that's no um, shot against them. It's just it feels like they had to work longer, maybe a little harder than some of the other prospects that are sort of always heralded as a top guy. Right. Mm -hmm. No, I'm with you. And then, uh, you know, Will Benson, another guy to keep an eye on. Loud tools. (laughs) Uh, He also had a, a strong season last year, but he's also that guy that has that high strikeout rate. So that's the the biggest limiting factor with him is basically has the four out of the five tools except that elite hit tool. So a guy that can put up potential 20, 20, 30, 30 numbers in terms of uh, home runs and stolen bases, a burner on the base paths, does still sport an elite walk rate. Uh, at double A, he walked a career high 18.1% of plate appearances last year. Delicious. Yeah. And uh, when he did get promoted, it dropped. It dropped to 13.1. But I mean, that's still good. And... Now he's going to get another year to, to work on it. So, uh, but yeah, he had a 131 WRC plus at double A as a 22 year old. So uh, now he's 23 and he'll be uh, at triple A to start this season. So this will be, uh, he was at triple A for 27 games last year. So it was a relatively, you know, mid to small sample size. And then uh, we'll see what he can do. Uh, strikeout rate has always been an issue with him. I mean, you look, uh, even in rookie ball, he was striking out over 30% of the time. So that is going to be his limiting factor. But the guy hits dingers, he steals bases, so, and, he, and he walks. So if he can get that strikeout rate back below 30 and keep that walkout rate high, I mean, he's an, he's an interesting option. Let's do uh, Jonathan Rodriguez, you know, another guy, 2017 draft class. Um, he spent most of last year in Lynchburg, and it looks like he's uh, moving up to Lake County. Not a whole lot 
Uh, you know, last year he, he did play pretty well at uh, Lynchburg. He had a 121 WRC plus slashed a 314, 363, 450. Um, but those numbers did go down when he got, he did get promoted uh, to high A in uh, Lake County. Um, but walk rate actually went up after his promotion. And he, and he, it wasn't like a super small sample size, 24 games. Walk rate jumped up to 10%. And uh, the strikeout rate stayed about the same. It's just uh, BAPIP went cratered. <laughs> it went from 393 at low A to 273 in a high A, which I think was the main reason for uh, his slash line dropping. Uh, the but, fact that he keeps the walk rate up is encouraging, too, yeah. because it tells me he was sticking to his approach. Yep. And so I'm still a believer in Jonathan Rodriguez. I think he's a, a, a good player and um, could have. You know, I've been waiting for him to break out. Last year uh, was a, a good sign because that was his first taste of full season ball and had a 121 WRC+. Plus. He's And he's been steady, if you look. 2018, he had a 122 WRC plus in rookie ball. 2019, um, he pitched or he played in uh, with the now uh, not part of Cleveland's organization, Mahoney Valley Scrappers, the half the mid season ball or half season league, uh, and he had a 123 WRC plus, and then uh, 121 last year. So very interesting. And I am excited to see how he does. Once he hits Akron. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Will Brennan, another guy not to forget about. He was a eighth round pick in 2019. And last year, he kind of broke out a little bit. Um, Started the year at A plus uh, at uh, Lake County and had a 124 WRC slashed a 293.68441. Then he got promoted to Akron. And his walk rate improved, strikeout rate stayed exactly the same, and uh, had a WRC plus over 100 there as well. So uh, definitely an intriguing uh, outfield option that kind of came out of nowhere. So uh, I'm always excited about those kind of players. There is a funny pattern in his stats, too, where in 2019, after he got promoted, his power kind of disappeared. Mm-hmm. And then in 2021, after he got promoted, his power kind of disappeared. But both times before, he was hitting the snot out of the ball. Yep. So I bet you in 2022, <laughs> <laughs> uh, some guys well, need to ping happen. pong a little. Could happen. Um, another guy, uh, this guy was in my corner cupboard, Micah Priest. Um, he started the year at low a Lake County or uh, Lynchburg where he had a 150 WRC plus he was slashing 320, 404, 547, uh, walking 10% of the time, striking out 20. Um, and then he got promoted to Lake County, uh, high a struggled a little bit, but still posted a 117 WRC plus. So, I mean, that's, that's while struggling, <laughs> uh, he had a, uh, Strikeout rate spiked up to 30%, which is a little scary, but um, uh, definitely a guy worth keeping an eye on. Um, I think uh, if he can get that strikeout rate back under control, uh, another you know college outfielder that Cleveland has developed. Um, I am wondering if there is a certain level and a certain percentage of, or a certain strikeout rate that's critical, like say no more than 25% at double A. And I'm totally making that up, but having watched a few guys progress through our system now, like Bradley and, and seeing John Kensey Noel, and now a guy like Micah Priest, it's just interesting to see when strikeout rates are high, do they succeed? Do they not? What ends up being the critical other factor? Or like, do they end up needing to fix those strikeouts? And I don't know that the experiment's over. Yeah, part of it, I think, is when you have a high strikeout rate, you need to combine it with a a good walk rate and power. Like, if you're going to have a stri- high strikeout rate, you need to be at least a three-true-come-out player player. So, like uh, an Adam Dunn or a Joey Gallo. Like, you need to, when you hit it, crush it, 
And then if you're not striking out, you could at least be walking. And some suspicion um, is that this is where may no where Nolan Jones may end up on the spectrum of hitters too. Mm-hmm. And Benton, honestly. Um, but uh, the problem is when they don't have that power and they're still doing that. <laughs> yeah, and, and the ball's got to go a long way if you don't hit it very often. Yeah. And and the other issue with Bobby Bradley is the walk rate hasn't maintained at the MLB level. Like he's still striking out a lot, but. And he's still hitting dingers, but he is not walking enough. So, and the problem is, if you're you know trying to walk, you're also putting yourself in strikeout counts, so your strikeout rate's going to go up too. So it's it's a it's a fine line. It really is. Bradley's position now worries me because it sounds like it's not that he's struggling to recognize the pitch; he's just getting fooled, and that's that's tough. Guys can't guess anymore and make a career out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a couple other options uh, for outfield that I want to look at um, before we close this sucker out. Um, but uh, Alex Free Plainez was a guy that was on a lot of people's lists entering 2021 that they should be keeping an eye on. And yeah, another you know great name. And uh, last year basically was his first taste of full season ball, and he was league average, had a WRC plus of 99, spent the whole year at Lynchburg, did hit 16 dingers, um, but my biggest issue is high strikeout rate, low walk rate. So um, he's going to need to make an adjustment there because uh, he struck out 29% of the time, which wasn't that much of a increase over his 2019 numbers. I think he was at 28% in 2019 at rookie ball, but the walk rate was 3.1%. And if you're striking out that much, you need to be walking more. So 3.1 is low. It's very low. It's shocking. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, and then the other outfielders that I definitely want to talk about, there are a couple. Um, The first is the other, Guy we got in the Francisco Lindor trade, if you remember, uh, Isaiah Green. He was the Mets' second-round pick in 2020, so he didn't play in 2020. Obviously, they didn't have a season. So he debuted with Cleveland last year at uh, the Complex League, and he was terrific. He, uh, In his age 19 season, he hit a home run, slashed 289, 421, 368. Um, his walk rate was 18.3%. That's huge. So it was all like his strikeout rate is a little bit up there at 22, but again, offset it 18% walk rate. If he can maintain that, that is sensational, especially as a high school hitter. Usually it's a college guy that's got elite walk rates because they've, you know, got a lot more experience and seen a lot more pitches from a lot, you know, a lot of high-end pitchers. But you get a high school guy coming in and already walking at that level, that's exciting. I had never considered that really before. The difference in the amount of baseball that a guy has seen oh, yeah. between high school and college and how it can affect the hitter's eye. Mm-hmm. But no, no, I'm seriously legitimately excited about Isaiah Green. He could be a sleeper, you know, top 20 guy next year if he can do what he did this past season in full season ball this year, which I expect him to debut at uh, Lynchburg. Mm -hmm. And then who is our final member Uh, of the system? There's, there's two more. They're, they're both international outfielders, believe it or not. Uh, The first is Jorge Burgos. He is 20 years old, um, just turned 20 uh, this, this year. And uh, last season, he sported a 153 WRC plus in the Complex League. Um, he slashed 353, 463, 461, and then got promoted to uh, Lynchburg, where he had a 116 WRC plus. Um, strikeout rate actually dropped when he went up a level, uh, but so did the walk rate. So, um, but this is definitely a guy worth keeping an eye on. Um, so he's, he's not rule five eligible for another year after the end of this year. So, um, but kind of came out of nowhere had a, a, a decent 
campaign in 2019, I think in the Dominican Summer League, but um, last year he definitely broke out. So I'm, I'm really interested to see what he does this year. And then the other guy that I definitely want to talk about is Luis Durango. Um, he is a burner, an absolute burner. Um, he is 18 years old right now. Um, he's about to turn like he's literally, I think his birthday's in like a day or two. Ooh, um, happy but, birthday. Yep. But last year he, he went straight to the Arizona complex league, despite being an international signing. Um, listen to this. Uh, like this guy is literally like the skinniest player I think I've ever seen. He's five foot 10, 135 pounds. So um, that is thin. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's smaller than Billy Hamilton. Um, and, but last year, um, in Arizona as an 18 year old, the whole season, um, he had a 119 WRC plus stole 28 bases and slashed a 308, 399, 404. So he got on base 40% of the time mm-hmm. and he stole how many bases in how many games? 28 bases in 46 games. So more than one every other game. Uh, that is a man turning singles into doubles, folks. Yep. And he did have a little bit of pop. He had three home runs and uh, six doubles. So That is a man creating havoc on the base paths. On he also got hit by seven pitches. So despite yeah. how small he is. Uh, how? <laughs> yeah. What did it hit? I don't know. I, I'm interested to see. I wonder if he's got a Brandon Geyer thing going on where his stride just sort of takes him into the path yeah, for a second. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't tell you. I, I haven't seen him perform because there's not a lot of video of the Arizona League. But I'm hoping that we get a chance to get a look at him this year. But considering his age, he might start this year again at Arizona. But yeah, that's... We'll, we'll find out. But keep an eye on this guy. He, he actually was one of the more highly touted uh, prospects in, I believe the 2020 international signing class. So we never hear about the guys that are simply touted. It's always the mm-hmm. highly touted. So I'm glad <laughs> that we've been able to take the time to tout. <laughs> Do people ever just get touted? I don't we know. We just did. So, I believe okay. that counts. <laughs> <laughs> so this, I'm glad we did take the time to talk about all of these guys, but I don't think we're going to be able to get to the starting rotations at, yeah. at every level. In this That's podcast. okay. We'll be talking about them next week when we are breaking down how that first uh, week of minor league baseball has gone. And so if we are ready to bring things to a close for this week, I have a, a selection from a poet named E.E. Gannings, if anyone's interested. Oh, I would like to hear that. Okay. Well, let me begin. <clears throat> Andrew Chafin's body takes place where poise nests. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? 
Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.